1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Gaming Golf Podcast. Uh, Here with uh, Jeff Ritter from Morning Read, The Morning Read and uh, Scott Jensen and I from Rotowire, our collaborative effort. We now have an official name. We have a Twitter handle. Uh, We're we're cooking with gas now, guys. How are you guys doing?
2: Doing well. Nice to have this naming thing behind us, you know? I I don't know (laughs) if we fully explained it well enough last week, but we had come out with one name only to find a, a competing podcast. Had launched with the same name as us two weeks prior, so I felt we did the gentlemanly thing—just you know, change our Uh, name—and I also thought we did the smart thing, opening it up to the readers to give them a voice and a seat at the table uh, to pick a name for us. Ultimately, even though we ignored all of their suggestions and went with the name we wanted, the readers at the end will appreciate that they were invited to the process, and uh, it'll it'll be good for
1: us in the end. And we're overflowing with name suggestions, for sure. But uh, anyways, uh, match play was wild. No, I think what one top seed advanced, ROM, and that was it. Uh, some, you know, with DJ kind of had, you know, should have won and didn't and blew it at the end, or I guess, or his competitor stepped up at the end, depending on how what prism you're looking through. You know, I'm the negative approach because I have DJ on my uh, season-long team, so I, I look at it as a negative approach, but... Uh, w- you know, it, it, we saw this weekend, uh, Billy Horschel won. Uh, Scott, Scotty Scheffler looked great and looked like he just ran out of gas on Sunday. Uh, but I'm encouraged by Scheffler in the long run. I think that was he showed he had a lot of metal, and he could be a Ryder Cup guy in the long run. Scott, what was your take on the match play?
3: It's funny, we talked about it last weekend again. Like the first three days are so fun, and then the weekend's just so bad for TV purposes because there's just nothing going on. Um, I like it. I mean, I really love the format. I like they do it once a year, but uh, I'm looking forward to full fields on the weekend again. It's just it's just a little bit slow, especially on Sunday. Like it's just the you know yeah. you got you the two guys, and even Saturday you had the you had the, the two rounds. It's just there's just not enough action to go around. But uh, I really enjoy the first three rounds. I think that last round too, especially when you you kind of know what guys need to do, and you end up in the in the sudden death. I think it's uh I think it's kind of dumb that you beat someone head to head, then you lose to them in sudden death. So I don't love that rule, but I get I, I understand why they do it, and uh, makes those first few days a lot of. Fun. Fun, but it's just it's it's a tough weekend to watch
2: yeah i agree and every year at that event around this time there's there's all, always that conversation of oh should should there be a major that's match play should the pga you know because it was once a match play event go back to its roots and adopt that format and uh, it always seems like a good idea on like tuesday wednesday <laughs> thursday of, yep. of match play week but then by sunday it's like yeah no this is <laughs> this yeah. just doesn't where it just happens too often uh, where you just don't get that compelling uh, final match. So I, I love, you know, that last day, that last round of of the pod, where yeah. where now it's fully clear that it's do or die. That to me is the best part of match play, and that that's still one of my favorite days. Even though the playoffs and sudden death things, like you said, Scott, they don't always make sense. But <laughs> I just I just like the cutthroat aspect of match play. Is and so to me, that's where the tournament's still at. It's even though messiest it's also kind of at its best.
3: Yeah, at least yeah. like Ryder Cup, the last day you get 12 singles matches. There's always something going on. It's just when you get down to four guys and nobody cares about the third place thing. It's just it's just there's just not enough on TV to watch it's like it's just it's tough.
1: Yeah, Saturday morning was pretty good, I thought. Um you get you have yeah, you know, eight matches going on there. That that's good. The uh, Friday where you had what do we have? Eight or nine go to playoff. Yeah, that was Pons. great day. That was pretty intense, you know, seeing Sergio hit a hole-in-one to win uh, in the fourth awesome. playoff hole. I mean, that was – and and ha- hitting two really clutch putts to keep the match going against Westwood before that. That was fun stuff, you know, and you could see some really good golf being played. Others, you know, like, oh, couldn't mail it in quick enough. But uh, so it goes, uh, and th- that's the way it is. All right, enough about match play. Uh, well, actually, uh, any other takeaways from Horschel or any, any of the other, uh, you know, advancers or anybody else? Any other takeaways from this past weekend?
2: I think it's fun to think about that event more as like what it could mean for the Ryder Cup than what it yep. means for any other tour stop, including this week, the Masters, or anything else. Um, I, th- I think Horschel and Scheffler both, you know, show you something that they both advance into that conversation now. Only six Ryder Cup spots are are on points, and the re- half the team is going to be filled out by Captain Stricker. you got two new names you got to talk about now in-, in Scheffler and Horschel. At, at least you're going to yeah. be talking about those guys. We'll see. We've got more to prove and more time, but... Uh, I think they're in that conversation now they have to be
1: Is speed in the conversation for you
2: absolutely speed is in the conversation he's playing well we know he does well in the team event He's experienced and yeah he's absolutely in the conversation to, to be a, a captain's pick on that team or maybe uh, there's still time to qualify he's got he's got yeah. one of his honey spots coming in a couple weeks he's, he looks like to me like an odds on favorite this week. Uh, but I, I really—he's—he's he's on my short list for the Masters too. I just you gotta just love the way he's playing right now.
3: And and on the Euro side, I think it's interesting. I mean, they—they've got to take Sergio, right? Like, there's no way you leave Sergio off that team. And I think. The guy that showed me something was Robert McIntyre. If I'm if I'm looking for like a young captain's pick kind of guy, I don't think he's going to get there in points. Obviously, but we got a long ways to go, and there's there's different point standings. They, he may get there, but he's a guy too that if I'm uh, if I'm looking for a captain's pick, I think McIntyre is someone that I want on my team. That uh, that drive he had, uh, that, that drove the green, and when the guys were putting on the green was awesome. He just he he played really well.
2: And Victor Perez, yeah, he looked great. I mean, who you know, from out of left field, as far as you know, for an American audience, uh, that was a new face, new name, and and wow, I mean, another another potential Ryder Cup assassin, you know, for a European squad emerging in the yeah, for sure.
1: And then there's the old school. I mean, Poulter, until he ran into the Scheffler buzz saw was looking great again too. You know, went did the clean sweep of his group. That was pretty impressive.
2: Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. He's it, it, that format just always has worked for him, hasn't it?
1: He stomped Rory. I mean, and you know that he, that was maybe one of the least competitive matches of the whole first three, you know, first three matches there too. He just ran right through Rory. I think it was the first match done in the entire tournament, but yeah, uh, maybe that has something to do with it too. I don't know, but uh, he's always great in that format.
2: Yeah, yeah, you know, I he's another one like Sergio, right? It's almost like like Scott said. Probably on the team now, unless unless he tells you he's not, you know, later in the year, his form slips, or for some reason he he does doesn't he's not at the peak of his game for it. But otherwise, I think there's a spot for Poulter. There's a spot for Sergio on the Riders Cup team this fall if they want it.
1: For sure. All right, let's move on to the Valero Texas Open. This is another sandwich tournament, uh, unfortunately uh, scheduled in between the match play and the Masters next week. You know. And this field suffers as a result of that. There's some guys that are desperate to try to get into the Masters. This is their last stand. Uh, they, have, you know, there's others that are trying to get into form, but a lot of the big names aren't there. We we at first saw Dustin Johnson in it, and then decided, nah, never mind. I'm never mind for the second time this year. He is in it, and then he wasn't in it. And of course, I'm I'm acutely aware of that because I need him playing more often and playing better. But whatever. Uh, it's all again. This is not a Jeffcast. It's a golf podcast. So let's move on from that. Uh, let's look at this field here. You mentioned Jordan Spieth. He is the odds-on favorite. You know, going to God's golf, golfodds.com, he's twelve to one. He's the most widely picked player in uh site-wide at uh, officefootballpool.com, where we run our one and done pool. Uh, yeah, he's being picked quite a bit. Uh, what is he the favorite for you guys, Scott? You go first. No. Strong words from a strong man.
3: Yeah, uh, I, I I think that I mean, obviously he deserves to be up there right now. I think it's crazy that, you know, three months ago everybody's talking about is he done and all of a sudden he's a favorite for a tournament. Um I will not be I will not be betting him this weekend. I probably won't be playing on the DraftKings either at the ten uh, the ten thousand seven hundred price. I think it's uh I think it's just a little too expensive for me. And I think the, the betting line is definitely too high for me.
2: I think he's my favorite story this week, um, right. but he would not be my pick. No, I, I would. I, I'm already, you know, we'll, we're going to do our master's podcast next week, but I'd have him in my pools next week. as, as you know, if you're putting a five man team together. Uh, but no, he's not my pick this week. And I, do you want me to do, make my pick now or is that coming? No, no,
1: no, that's what, no, it's no, fine. fine. Uh, we got <laughs> some time. Yeah, but uh, we'll make final picks. But I was just wonder oh. if he's like the, the favorite uh, yeah. in your mind. But I don't uh, think so. We're playing TPC uh, San Antonio. This is kind of a horses for courses type of course. Uh, a lot of repeat good good results here. Uh, I think Orion Palmer is an example of that. Uh, last year's winner, or 2019's winner. We didn't have a last year because uh, of the pandemic. But Corey Connors won here in 2019. He was an incredible story. He was a Monday qualifier. And then turns around, not just won the turn, but played. I, I think uh, Rob Bolton used the, exp- uh, the expression video game golf just played amazing golf at a course that doesn't really yield very low scores
2: yeah it's kind of like your stock tough par 72 golf course right like the the rough is a super deep but the fairways are pretty tight the wind can blow and it's just traditionally uh it's just long and tough and so what Corey Connors did a couple of years ago was shocking you know it was a uh, um, a, a real kind of like coming out moment for him spray got him into the master's field. Uh, and so, yeah, you look for, you know, like you said, it's, it's a sandwich event, but a lot of guys like to play the week before a major It kind of, it depends on a personal preference. So this field will never be, it will never, you know, rise to the level of kind of your, your premier non-major events, but it, it's never going to be a total dog either because there are enough guys who, who value a, a tune up in real time. So, um, I, I, it's a good event. You know, you could do worse than being the week before the the Masters. Everybody's kind of tuning in and checking into golf and seeing what's going on. And for the pros, it's a good time to tune up your game, you know, and, see, and get everything in order before you head uh, head
1: southeast. Yeah, well, and that's what I wanted to ask you is, like, what narrative is stronger for you when you're looking at this? Is it – and there, there's oh, this, it's not binary. There's other narratives. But is it the desperation play? Uh, to, to qualify for Augusta, or is it the guys that are in the field and are tuning up? Which type of golfer would you prefer?
2: For me, I think I want the guy who's in and tuning up. I, I think I stay away from desperation because if you're desperate, you're playing poorly. And that's just never, that's generally the side I would stay away from in fantasy and in gaming with golf. Uh, I think like you just look for guys who make playing the week before a major part of their routine. And are playing well, so okay. that that's where I'm going to start. So I love you mentioned Ryan Palmer would be on my short list. Uh, like Ricky Fowler would not be. I, you know, he's playing this event because he's not in the Masters and he's desperate. And it's right. kind of crazy to think that we that he's going to miss a Masters that he's played himself this far down the rankings. But I wouldn't pick him this week. I just I haven't seen anything from him this year that makes you think it's going to happen this week. So I I feel like that's that would be like a trap, a Brant Snedeker it's kind of a trap pick this week. I think right. I, would, I, would, I would stay away from that and go towards more of the guys who just make this part of their routine and they're playing well right now.
3: Yeah, I agree. I don't feel like golf is a sport where like needing to get, win to get in is really like basketball or football. Like you have, you have a team that has to get in. You can kind of ramp it up a little bit. I don't know if that helps you in golf. I don't, I just don't think pressing like that and doing things you don't normally do. I don't think that's a thing that helps in golf. I think it's the one sport like desperately needing to get in. I don't think that's a thing that, uh, that I, that I look at as an advantage.
1: Yeah, I'd say most golfers, I don't look at motivation that often. I mean, maybe Bruce Litsky, you know, it's a guy <laughs> who just plays as few tournaments as possible to keep his card, you know, that that may be uh, the one exception to that. But, uh, you know, it's just very, very rare that you think, like, oh, well, he needs to have it. Okay, well, I didn't think of it that way. Yeah, I, I, I kind of look at that as well. What type of player does well at this course?
2: I mean, I'd probably start T to green. You know, because it's narrow, it's long. Um, I, again, I, I think it really just rewards all around good golf myself. Um, I was trying to find some patterns on that as far as, like, what did Connors do? I mean, Connors just shredded it uh, two years ago with just, like, uh, it was a statistically dominant performance. Um, I certainly think you got to be straight off the tee, which, of course, that's you can you can get away with a little more at Augusta National, um, maybe even than you can at this place, just because of this is a tree-lined golf course and Augusta mm-hmm. has very little rough and some some more open spots where you can miss it. But um, I don't know. I, I'm interested, Scott. If you see trends with the stats itself, <laughs> as, as far as like the makeup of the players who have won it, to me, it just seems like all-around solid, as opposed to any one thing that I notice.
3: Yeah, very much for me is tee-to-green an approach out here. Not uh, not as much putting in around the green. You look at Connors in April of 2019, gained 14.4 shots tee-to-green, which is an insane number, but I was actually uh, was actually lost strokes around the green and barely uh, gained a little bit in putting, but it was all approach. It was all tee to green. Um, I think with the narrow fairways, you know, like you mentioned, the rough is not is is a little bit forgiving, but you still want it. You know, you want guys to hit the ball in the fairway. You want some good approach guys, like the one fifty to two hundred range in the approach is a big spot here. There's a lot of a lot of par fours where that's kind of the number. There's a lot of par threes where that's the number. There's a par three that's over two twenty. Um, so I think you want I think you want approach guys from over one fifty uh, shots gained tee to green as you're kind of looking at uh, looking at stats there.
1: All right, good stuff. Good stuff. Let's start taking a look at the field. Uh, let's, you know, it, it's not as alluded. It's not a, a great field. I don't think it's as bad as the Honda a couple of weeks ago. But we have Speed. We have Scheffler as a betting favorite. Tony Finau is a betting favorite. Hideki Matsuyama. Uh, a Scott Genstad perennial favorite, is there. Uh, those are all under twenty to one at the odds I'm looking at. Uh, any of those jump off the page at you.
3: Uh, for me on the top end, uh, it's it's hard for me to bet Tony Finau at such a short number. If I'm going to bet Finau, I want to, you know, we, we, we've talked about plenty of times about his uh, inability to win aside from the Puerto Rico Open. I just, I think I need a longer number. Like, I'd, I'd be more willing to bet now next week at like 35 to 1 than I would this week at 11 or 10 to 1, whatever he is. Um, if you're if you looking at the top guys, like take the top, you know, seven or eight guys. I like Corey Connors again at 18 to 1. I like, uh, mm-hmm. I like Abe Answer at 20 to 1. I thought Abe Anser played really well last week uh, in the batch play. He won his first two matches. Then he was up in the last match and kind of hiccupped down the stretch and then lost the playoff on the first hole to Streelman. He just didn't make a putty at a really good approach shot. But but um, those are the two guys that jumped out to me as, uh, as kind of guys on the top. And there's a lot of guys in the mid-range I like, too. But Answers playing really well, top 25, three of his last four tourneys. Uh, ball striking was great at WGC Mexico, great at the players. He's just a guy that doesn't putt it well. But if he, you know, he just puts average, I think he'll be right there in this tournament. Um, he's lost shots putting five straight weeks. So if you just got to get that just to average. I think he'll be, be, be really tough this week.
2: Sure, I can see that. Scott, we've done this, we've done this multiple <laughs> times already now in this podcast. Answers my pick. Oh, uh, nice. I would add, it's a home game for him. Uh, I always think there's something to be said for sleeping in your own bed uh, when you're used to traveling like this. So he lives and resides in San Antonio now uh and for all the reasons you said i and i actually i had to just look it up right now because i couldn't believe it i just i feel like he's won somewhere on the pga tour but he has not he won on the corn Ferry tour he's won the emirates australian open it feels like he's a winner already doesn't it, it like does. it feels like i mean he was he was in the final group with uh dustin johnson at the masters and it just feel like his time is now. I mean, Finau, you know, it, certainly it's always tantalizing to pick him because his time is like way past now as far as winning his next one. But um, I, I agree with everything you said on Tony. And I, I would make answer my – I would I would build my DraftKings team around answer and I, w- I would look for him. I see him at 20-1 to one right now on golf odds. I'd, I'd jump on that.
1: Yeah. And the thing about answer, too, is he had that string of second places last year when they resumed playing. You know, he's just yes. consistently there. Yeah. So I could see it. Uh, and the funny thing. So he cost 9700 on DraftKings. You know, he's not cheap. You know, he, he, you're almost paying him to be your top golfer. But if he's your pick, well, then that's great. I mean, you're not paying for Finau. You're not paying for Spieth. Uh, you're not paying uh, over 10000 for Scheffler or Matsuyama, if you're going with him, most likely. I mean, I guess there's a build out there where you can get two two guys like that, but it'd be pretty tight.
3: I like, I like the build with two guys and the nines more than I like anything else this week. I like... Uh Answer and Connors, but I think they're going to be pretty chalky. I, if you want to get a little tricky, I think you go something like Answer and Cameron Tringali, who's playing really well right now and won't be nearly as sexy a pick as uh, as uh, as Corey Connors is, um, especially coming off the uh, the win a couple years ago at the tournament. Uh, Tringali last seven tournaments has made uh, made the cut six times, four top twenties. Was playing really well in January and early February. Then he had a little tumble. Then played really well at Honda. So I think he's a guy that uh, you just don't like to see Trungali at 9300. Like oh, I'm not going to play that. But I think he's playing really well and be someone that might you might be getting a little bit a little bit lower ownership than uh, than some of these other guys at the top.
1: Yeah, if he were 8300, he'd probably be very heavily owned. Exactly. But at 9300, you know, he's like, ah, oh, whatever. Um, so exactly. I can see that. I I started my uh, build a little bit with Connors and Palmer uh and said 95 and 94 like that uh but you know it's just it fits just a little bit better plus Palmer is a Texan also uh, in good form I mean he took Rom down you know to, in, to into the playoff they were both 2-0 going into their uh, Friday round against each other I think you know he, he's in good form and it's a home game for him too I kind of like him too
2: yeah, it's a good pick. I also I'd be looking at uh, Charlie Hoffman, who usually uses this event as a springboard to leading the Masters on Thursday. Always. Right, right. First, uh, right.
3: <laughs> you gotta go. For, you gotta go first round leader. Bet on Hoffman always.
2: Yeah, I think uh, I read it somewhere. I, I didn't. I should. I don't have it in my notes, but I read somewhere this week that he's the all-time money leader at this event. Did you guys catch that stat somewhere? I gotta. I'm trying to fact check myself in real time, but either way, it, do, it feels like he's always up there in this particular event and carries that momentum into Augusta for at least a day or so. Uh, I might. I might watch him if you if you can. Uh, I don't know. DraftKings doesn't have you know round round one betting, but if there's a way to, oh, the, to oh, capture oh. Oh they do. do they do they now? You could, okay. you can
3: go you can go one round showdown, just play just play one round at a time. Okay. It's 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 crazy.
1: You are it. correct about the all the tournament's all time earnings leader with Hoffman. He's ten for ten at TPC San Antonio,
2: wow.
3: two go.
1: seconds and a third and a win. And yeah. eight top fifteens. That, that that's good,
2: I hear. But, that feels like a value at yeah. uh, the DraftKings game. But I, I don't think I would bet him. Uh, I don't think I'd bet him at, what is it, 30, 30 to 1 now in golf odds. I, I, I would I would stay away from the future's bet. But I, I like him in Draft DraftKings lineup.
1: All right. Let's go down to the next level there. To, to afford these guys, we need to find some other guys that uh, are – if we're doing DraftKings, find a couple other guys. When I did my first lineup build, I have – Sam Ryder is one of my guys. It's in every one of my lineups, and it's a recent form sort of bet. Uh, you know, he he was second uh, in in Putikana last week. Uh, he was uh, or at Corrales, excuse me, and then uh, then at PGA National, he was really strong. Uh, just he's a good, you know, strokes gain sort of guy, and in green, good, good in greens and regulation, good in proximity. I think that's a good thing on this course, and. He's only seventy four hundred on DraftKings. He's a building block for me. Yeah,
2: that's, that's a good. pick. One of the best. Is he not statistically a great putter on tour? I thought he was one of the. I thought he was a top tier putter. Maybe not. I, but I, mean, I saw him last. He
3: so hasn't was, hasn't been lately. But that tends to. If you look down, he's got a lot of a lot of shot gained putting green in like twenty nineteen. But it's been uh, it's been a little rough this year.
2: Twenty nineteen. It was okay. Yeah, I like that pick. Yeah,
3: I mean, you got two top 10s in a row, and I mean, if you go in recent form, that's as as good as it gets. Um, And that, if you're going really cheap, I have a couple guys in the eights I want to talk about, but... uh in the sevens, I, I like John Huh a little bit this week. Seventy four hundred made the cut eight of nine eight of his last nine tournaments. Um, gained uh, shots t to green in seven uh, gained seven shots t to green last last week in, in Honda two weeks ago. Uh, he finished nineteenth there. Uh, two top twenty five since twenty twenty one started. If you're trying to save some money, um, I like him. Doug Gim at seventy three hundred has been playing really well too. He had that really bad Sunday a couple weeks ago that um, kind of got highlighted, but playing really well. He's made five of his last seven cuts. Uh, three top thirties in that range and. You're trying to get really cheap uh, under seven thousand. Will Gordon uh, sixty eight hundred's made five straight cuts. If you're just trying to get through the through the cut line, he's been doing pretty well at that lately. But uh, it's one of those tournaments where you know next week we're going to get good players in the 7,300, 7,400, 7,500 range. Uh, this week uh, you gotta you gotta find guys that make cuts. These are guys that are, are pretty variable down here in this this kind of field.
2: Are we contractually obligated to mention Phil? <laughs> Let's mention him. Go ahead. I, don't, I I want to believe. I, I think if there's, I, it's hard for me to imagine. It's hard for me to imagine him contending at Augusta. But you say that, but he will, right? I mean, Augusta so much is predicated on on familiarity, and and you can just like it, like guile is that a is like strokes gained uh, guile if that was a word. Like you can get around with Augusta with that. But I want to see something from him this week to feel good about like. Sneaking him into my lineups next week. I want to see something. Uh, we have not seen much. We've seen much, we've seen a fair amount on the cha- on the Champions Tour, uh, but I think I think I want to see a little sign from Phil this week that he could be a factor to Gus I want to see him make the cut at a minimum.
1: In uh, my eyes, he's such a boomer bust guy. He's either like he's got it going and he's going to make a run, or he's in DGAF mode and like up oh, put a dine down for me. You know, I'm going to put two in the water on uh, an 18 on Pebble. You know, it's 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 that sort of thing with him. It feels like Scott. What say you? I would say no, except
3: the fact he played really well at uh, the players. He made the cut and finished 35th, and he played really well at Honda. He gained uh, over four shots, T to green uh, at Honda. But I would need to see something this week. I, I agree with Jeff on that one. I think you I think I need to see something here. But I tend to think his price will probably be a little bit too low next week just based on name recognition to bet him. Uh, but maybe in uh, maybe in DraftKings, if you get him in the, in the low 7,000s, maybe they drop, they drop him down, it would be worth it. But uh, I just think there'd be too many people that bet him just because it's Phil at Augusta, and his price won't be quite what it should be.
1: Yeah, I kind of tend to think that as well. Um, OK, so you want to talk about a couple guys in the 8000, some of the, the not the favorites, but the next yeah. tier.
3: And this is kind of the tier that I like uh, for betting purposes. There's uh, there's four guys at the between like 40 and 50 to one that I think are pretty live here. The first is uh, Brendan Steele. Uh, he's 9100 on drafting. So it's just pretty expensive there, but he's 42 to one right now. Just finished third at the Honda. Has made eight straight cuts, uh, two top fives this year. Just playing really well. His t degree numbers have been really good in five of his last eight tournaments. It's just a guy that's playing uh, really well right now. I just think the price is too high. I think it should be like a thirty to thirty-five to one guy. And he's forty-two. That uh, that jumped out to me as a as a pretty good value there. What
2: do you guys All think? Right. What do you guys think of Zach Johnson as kind of a sneaky uh, sneaky pick this week? I don't know if he's in the eight thousands. I was trying to pull up my draft DraftKings uh, login. But he's in that same kind of range. Eighty five hundred. He's eighty five hundred. Like, yeah. Eighty five. Yeah, 85. yeah I, I would be tempted. Uh, I feel like he's been quietly putting something together this spring. And another one who's, he's, you know, he's going to go play at Augusta. I don't expect him to factor Augusta, but I might want. To, I might consider him. Uh,
3: Dra- dro- drove the ball. Drove the ball really well at Honda. I've been kind of living off his putting the weeks before that, but uh, he drove yeah. the ball great at Honda.
2: Yeah.
1: All right. Um, what do you guys think of Chris Kirk? Eighty six hundred, pretty good recent form. Uh, maybe not so much on Sundays again. That's that's the the concern sometimes. But I, you know he's had some pretty nice runs lately recently.
3: It's funny because he's a little bit pricey at DraftKings, but he's forty-five to one. I like him as a, in the betting market. He's gained um, over four shots, T to Green, the last four weeks. Um, three top twenty-fives in that stretch, just playing really well. If you're going to go for a form guy right now, you know it's not just a couple tournaments. Uh, Kirk's been playing well for the last four weeks.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, that was one of my uh, other building blocks uh, when I was putting together my first couple of lineups. I'm gonna, I might play around with it a little bit more in the next day and a half or so but uh those are a couple of guys i, I kind of highlighted there um give me a real long shot well, each of you i want one long shot golfer
2: how about uh i added him to my fantasy team in our in our league a few weeks ago kh lee had a nice little west coast swing uh and hasn't done much since then but i still like the t green game i like i did some research on kind of the trajectory of his career leading up to that california swing uh i just wonder if he might be a guy that, that can put it back together um it's kind of been in a swoon for a few weeks but i've just been keeping an eye on him thanks to my fantasy roster and uh season the field this week could use a big week and uh i'm gonna be watching him one twenty-five to
3: one. Oh, I got I got one hundred seventy-five to one. The
1: one I'm looking at. Oh,
2: okay. You make even more money with even shots. better. Four. There you go. Um,
1: well, that's a
2: good reminder. Forum shop.
1: Yes, I mean, you're uh, looking to put down a shekel or two. Uh,
3: let's. If you're going super long shot, um, I probably go Doug Gim, who I mentioned earlier. He's hundred to one. Um, if you want to go, if you want to go, form Joel Damon's eighty-five to one, coming off the win at uh, at Putacana Corrales, So that he played really well there. Um, if you're going a little more mid-range, the other guy I like that I think is uh, kind of mispriced in the betting market is Lanto Griffin. Um, he's expensive on uh, on DraftKings. He's like 8700 there, but he's 45 to 1 right now. Uh, five straight made cuts. He's been uh, top 35 in all five of those tournaments and made the top 25 three times. Uh, really good T-degree numbers at uh, API and WGC Mexico. Um, I just feel like uh, his DraftKings price is about right. I feel like the 45 to 1 is too high for a guy that's playing really well right now. So um, I like I like Kirk I like Griffin. I like Steel in that 40 to 50 range. I think Cameron Davis at 50 to 1 is a pretty good uh, pretty good dart for from some long odds. It feels like a week to me that I want multiple plays in like the 40 to 60 to 1 range if I'm doing bets rather than
1: going up top. Good enough. Uh, let's talk uh, DraftKings here and game selection, Scott. Uh, it's, a, it's a normal week on the PGA. It's not like the Masters week. It's not a match play. It's a normal tournament, just a generic tournament. What sort of games are you entering in?
3: So I'm not a huge mass entry person. I'm usually playing uh, probably 3 3 to 5 different lineups. If it's a if it's a major, I'll probably play 5 to 7 maybe. Um something like Honda a couple weeks ago, I played pretty light and just kind of played some small entries, but usually 3 to 5 lineups. Um, I try and kind of build a core and then, you know, try to pick the other golfers around that. So the guy that I think is going to win, maybe a guy in the $8,000 like i will put on multiple teams and kind of build around there trying to, you know, make the cut and get that 6-6. Six six. But um, I play, and then I play some double-ups too, trying to, you know, just want to get five guys to make the cut, you can cash there. I like the Albatross a lot. It's the $12 single entry, so you don't get the mass entry in that. And then the, the Pat Mayo contest that he runs is probably the best contest of It's 15 bucks. So there's no rake in that contest either. Um, and they, it's, it's a really flat, uh, it's more of a flat uh, prize system rather than like all the money's up at the top and golf it's so tough I mean so much of the money goes to the first place so I like some of the single entries I, I, I throw some teams in the, the big uh, GPPs also you know just in case you do hit something but the, that Pat Mayo contest is really good because there's no rake in that it fills up really quickly you have to get in it by like Tuesday but it's a good price point only three entries max, and there's no rake. And I, I like the, I like the, some of the, like the $12 albatross, I like too. So those are, those are kind of the, the ones I get into every week. And then I'll admit in the Masters and all that, I'll play the Millie Makers, just, you know, living the dream kind of thing. It's not a, not a good return on investment uh, thing. But, uh, you know, when you're, when you're watching uh, Thursday morning, your guy makes an eagle and you try to figure out how you're going to spend a million bucks, it's probably worth it right there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Scott, and I then they it. get, then they I take the question. rake from you. Yeah. I got a question
2: for you. Yeah. As you- you're you're deep into the DraftKings and and uh, FanDuel games, which is awesome. And I'm like I'm at like a 101 or maybe 102 level, but I'm curious how you use the odds to inform your decisions on DraftKings. Like when you say when you said Lanto Griffin seems cheap, like is he cheap because the odds say one thing and he seems underpriced on DraftKings, or is it the reverse? I mean, could somebody could say like the second most expensive player on DraftKings? have longer odds on golf odds and say, Oh, I should bet this golfer as a futures bet. And not as game. So, what do you use as like the source, and how does that inform your decisions? On
3: yeah, it can it can it can work it can work work both ways. And obviously, the difference is the DraftKings price stays stable the whole week, whereas you know wow. betting the betting price moves. If someone gets a lot of uh, you know a lot of people are talking about it on podcasts stuff, people start betting them. You see guys move from eighty to one to forty to one. So that's I use it. To, you know, if I see Vegas is on someone at twenty five to one and they're seven at DraftKings, sure, that's someone I'll take a closer look at. Like clearly, there's there's some betting going on. There's some stuff going on. Maybe we should take. A closer look, and usually they line up pretty well. But you do see some disparity. Like we looked at Lanto this week; at eighty seven hundred DraftKings is pretty expensive, but forty five to one is you know a pretty a pretty good shot in someone like that. So yeah, it varies for me. um You know, it depends. And I, I like to see if, if a guy's really getting popular in the betting market. I'll take a secondary look at DraftKings to see maybe I'm missing something. Maybe there's something out there. You know, sometimes it's just. popular people in the golf world start betting someone you have like a jeff feinberg that kind of guy that once he starts betting someone the the line moves from 35 to 1 to 25 to 1 the second jeff recommends somebody so you get you do get stuff like that you got to be wary of obviously it's just people following someone but yeah i play them together there's a there's a lot of sites that will take a look at the DraftKings price and the odds and kind of make you see that there's there's a disparity there but uh yeah it varies person by person but it's definitely something that i compare
1: very good all right so we already got jeff's pick it's going to be uh abraham answer as your as your winner uh are you using him in one and done this week also
2: i haven't i haven't hit the button yet in one and done but that's probably that's probably where i'm gonna hit the button yes
1: I, i've I already hit that button so i can't i can't profit off your expertise on this one unfortunately because <laughs> uh, it is one and done not three and done all right scott who's your pick
3: I hit the answer button last week on one and done two, which is why I was especially bitter after the uh, the tiebreaker rule so that's where oh. that came from. <laughs> Um, if I'm, if I, if I'm going for my favorite bet, it's probably Brennan Steele at 42 to one. If I have to pick a winner, uh, at the odds, I'm actually going to go back to Corey Connors. I think Corey Connors is going to, he's been so close these last few weeks. Didn't play well last week coming off the win a couple years ago. Uh, if I had to pick just a straight up winner, it'd be Corey Connors. I don't know. I don't love the odds as much, but, uh, Steele's probably my favorite odds bet where I do. I do like Cam Davis, Griffin and, and Kirk in that range. But if I had to pick a straight up winner, uh, I think I'm going Corey Connors for the repeat.
1: Wow. wow. I'm going Ryan Palmer uh, in my one-and-done pick, and I'm using him in my DK lineup as w- one of my building blocks. So for, uh, uh,
3: Poor Tony Fina. Nobody can pick him even in this field.
1: Yeah, well, it, it, well, he's <laughs> expensive now. Yes. And and, it, it, and by the way, the prices are all kind of jacked a little bit in DraftKings because DJ was in their field, yep. and you know, he was the top guy, so all of a sudden there is no top guy. It uh, makes it a little bit different in terms of trying to build your lineup a little bit there.
3: You thought you were going to get a cheap win out of DJ Fina our, in our league, didn't you?
1: Ah, that's twice now (laughs) pebble beach he loves pebble beach Yep, hold out of there that's not now bad juju i mean i got really bad karma That's messed him up in future events he's played poorly by his standards
0: well Uh,
1: apparently
3: apparently next week he plays well at that uh, tournament if we're gonna go from six months ago
1: yeah so perhaps perhaps i'll be able to use him next week so we'll see (laughs) all right thanks everybody for listening to the uh gaming golf podcast as always, uh you know, please send us your questions. We're gonna tweet out you can follow us on Twitter at gaming underscore golf. You can follow Jeff Ritter at Jeff underscore Ritter. I'm at Jeff underscore Erickson and Scott's at at Scott Gensted. No underscore. He's no too underscore. cool for that. <laughs> Doesn't need it, actually, as the case may be. Uh thanks for everybody for listening and watching. Good luck in the Valero Texas Open this week, and we'll talk to you again next week.
2: Discover speakers for all around your home and beyond at Sonos.com, including Move and the all-new Rome. This latest portable addition to the Sonos system is smart, lightweight, waterproof, and ready for any adventure. So start yours now at Sonos.com.
1: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.